do the things you love again because that lowers it sleep well eat well bond well but sometimes we do have to give you more help like adaptogenic herbs like the mighty maca i love that right a lot of great trials on maca and mighty maca that you have i start the morning with that too because it's an adaptogenic herb right so if your cortisol is too high it's going to lower it and bring it in balance if it's too low it's going to raise it up and bring it in balance so just the inherent part of balancing your cortisol as much as possible is going to help you release oxytocin and kind of make you feel a little bit more balanced and not stressed and frazzled, you know, all day long. So definitely healthy eating, healthy protein shakes. Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. I am thrilled to be here with you today and with our guest, Dr. Sahar Swedan. Can I call you Dr. Sahar Swedan? Beyonce will do. No, just kidding. Beyonce will do. <laughs> yes. Farm yes. D, right? Farm D. Sahar. So I um, am here today because Sahar has been on my show before a couple of times, and she's also someone I've lectured with over the years. I mean, it's been over a decade since I've known this amazing, amazing individual and really excited today to talk some of the nuances and certainly hormones, hormones and our brain health, but also my favorite hormone, a hormone that I lecture on frequently and I'm just passionate about. In fact, my next book is about oxytocin. So we're going to be touching on that today as well. But Dr. Swedan is president and CEO of NeuroPharm and former CEO of Pharmacy Solutions in Ann Arbor, Michigan. She's also been a adjunct associate professor of clinical research and leadership at George Washington University School of Medicine and the Health Sciences and at Wayne State University. She is board certified and an advanced fellow in anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She is an internationally renowned speaker, especially in the areas of pain management, headaches, and HRT. She's authored several books, several chapters. She's fun to hang out with, and I'm so glad to introduce you or to reintroduce Sahar to my community. Hello, Dr. Sweetan. Hi, good afternoon, everybody. Nice to be here. Nice to see you, Dr. Quebeca. Always a pleasure to sit and gap with you at the girlfriend doctor. I always say girlfriends are the best form of therapy. So I always view your podcast or anything else you do. It's kind of like therapy with your girlfriends, all packaged up every week or much more frequent in your Instagrams. We love you and we love listening to you and all your inspirations always. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, Sahar. Well, now more than ever, we really are addressing 
a stress-filled society, a stress-filled culture, a lot of anger and fear and hate and all those negative emotions are around. And as we know, that depletes oxytocin too. So I want to first, you know, talk a little bit about oxytocin and your work with oxytocin. I know you also have lectured in this area, so I'm excited to get your perspective. Yeah, well, I mean, oxytocin, I think we've always viewed it, obviously, it's the love hormone, it's the cuddle hormone, right? It's the hormone that skyrockets the production of it, you know, during, you know, delivery, baby you know, during the delivery process and, and the one that's probably most responsible for the amazing bonding and wow factor when you see this beautiful angels that are born, you know, in your arms. So it's very interesting. But on the flip side, it is such a master hormone. It's the conductor of the orchestra, really. And honestly, we've ignored this hormone in science. Besides, yes, we know it, it, it kind of comes on massively, you know, hugs and kisses and cuddles and, and, and orgasm the and... Process, you know, but, and also obviously the OBGYNs, you know, this is how we pop babies out, right? We give you synthetic oxytocin, you know, to, to get the babies out when we want to induce women, you know, if the baby's not coming out when it's supposed to per se, but yeah, historically, you know, honestly, but now there's so much emphasis, you know, I've been lecturing on oxytocin, honestly, for the past 20 years, because I lecture very commonly on a lot of just hormones in general, sex hormones, and the relationship hormones to everything, because they're literally messengers to every cell in your body, they're involved in every function in your body. More recently, you know, oxytocin is the upcoming star, if you will, we have a lot of more scientific data now, including clinical studies about the use of oxytocin in a variety of things, not just to kind of push babies out per se, you know, what they're looking at in autism and schizophrenia and PTSD and anger, you know, just hate all, all the stuff that we see now, you know, the world has been under tremendous amount of stress the last, you know, three to four years, obviously with the pandemic, we also learned, you know, this is what releases oxytocin. Probably the biggest producer of oxytocin is social connection, right? And the connectiveness. And I think we all really are oxytocin deficient nowadays because a lot of us have lost two to three years, depending on the lockdowns and, and what state you were in, because we really miss, you know, being with our loved ones and family and friends and, and girlfriends, which I always say is the best form therapy. And really, we have almost like an oxytocin deficiency in society. In addition, everybody's so wired and tired, I call it, right? Everybody's so stressed. Cortisol levels are high or people are low because they've literally, you know, hypo cortisol states or low cortisol states now because of the chronic stress that, you know, the society has been under. Really yeah, and I always say too, Sahara, not to interrupt, but I always say too, you know, whether it's good stress, bad stress, chronic everyday stress, post-traumatic stress, real or perceived stress, I mean, that it, it affects our body. When cortisol goes up, oxytocin goes down, and then cortisol suppressed, and we get in this dangerous state where oxytocin and cortisol are both low. And so what, you know, we've looked at, and then, you know, that leads to that feeling of disconnect, isolation, depression. You don't want to do what you used to love doing, and it's the physiology of burnout. I will say physiology of burnout, physiology of divorce, that disconnect feeling. 
And so it's important. And like what you mentioned earlier is that it is a master hormone. I like how you said the conductor. I say that it's, the, you know, it's the top of the hierarchy. It's the king and queen of hormones. So from, you know, oxytocin, the hierarchy down to cortisol and insulin, and then all the reproductive and other hormones. So our master switches. And more and more research has shown that it helps with autoimmunity. It can help decrease COVID virus replication and spike protein, well, let's call it aggression. I don't know what else you want to call it. It helps regenerate new muscle growth. It helps with neurocognitive, helps with learning and ability to think and make connections in our brain. I was like, oh, that's just perfect. When I saw that research, the brain yeah. and oxytocin. And so, I mean, that's an important area to be able to use it. Again, we want to make it, but if we need to, there's an issue to prescribe it. And I want to circle back on that as a pharmacist, the ways I can talk about the ways I've prescribed it, but I'm really curious to get your input on that. But the main thing, like a master switch hormone and its function in the brain and the nervous system, Sahar. So you lecture quite frequently on Alzheimer's, on dementia, on brain function. I mean, all the neurocognition where, you know, what are the big players? Yeah. You know, and I call it the tsunami that's coming really neurodegenerative disorders and dementia from a variety of causes, right? I mean, we see skyrocketing rates of dementia, neurodegenerative disorders, and women, unfortunately, are actually more prone, you know, to some of the dementive disorders. Now, we know definitely sex hormones and oxytocin is one of those really, you know, can be protective, like uh, it can enhance the development or the release of brain-derived growth neutrophic factors, which is basically uh, hormones that help your brain muscles grow and obviously to keep those synaptic highways, you know, fresh, young, vibrant, and, you know, and keep the connection. So memory is better. Agility is better. You know, thought is better. Movement is better. Right. Um, so it's really important, you know, definitely um, brain optimization and brain health really should be at the forefront of everybody's mind. Honestly, we do mammograms, we do colonoscopies, we do all these things to kind of make sure we're not going down the wrong path or the rabbit hole. However, we don't really do any, as Dr. Bredesen actually call it, a cognoscopy, which is, you know, what's going on with your cognitive function? You know, how do we scope you to assess? And there's so many tools that are available yet. Really in medicine, we have not adopted some of these, you know, basic tools to check, you know, cognitive function, like the MOCA scores and many mental status. So checks. say that so again, the MOCA tools. score, the what? The MOCA, MOCA. So, you know, so some of these like tools and handouts, like they're questionnaires that are actually available online that patients can many mental status, MOCA, they can kind of do their own cognitive check, if you will, you know, to see. But absolutely, you know, we, we do need to do a yearly cognoscopy, as Dr. Bredesen says, or more frequently, just like we do mammograms and colonoscopies and, and other preventative type stuff. Well, we're going to like slack off on those mammograms. <laughs> yeah, right. Some... Well, yeah, so we'll, that's a whole other discussion, but yeah. <laughs> that's another, exactly. I was going to say that's a whole other can of worms. But, it, but it's really important. So definitely, you know, oxytocin, we really only learned about the use of it, like I said earlier, in delivering babies. However, more recently, many studies have done on PTSD, on pain, on autism, on schizophrenia. 
And many of the studies, you know, now, you know, they came up with an assay where we could measure oxytocin, but then it wasn't very reliable. And now it's under like research again. But soon we're hoping that we can measure oxytocin levels in people so we can see who's low, who's not optimized, you know, the doses. Now the average person makes about five to 10 international units per day of oxytocin roughly. And obviously some people, you know, make a little more, some people a little bit less. Most of the clinical trials that looked at oxytocin doses have been really in the range of anywhere from 12, you know, to 24 international units twice daily. Some studies looked at 40 international units for zero international units, you know, once daily. They've looked at it in a variety of disorders, including migraines. You know, I know a so lot of women. So that's via trochee, via spray. How yeah. are they so it depends. Them? So the way we deliver oxytocin, obviously, when it's not in your vein for baby delivery, the best routes that have been looked at in studies is really, you know, sublingual. So trochees that you kind of suck on like a lozenge and kind of release it. Sublingual is better because this is a hormone. And also you have to make sure it's not commercially available yet. So you want to make sure you work with a compounding pharmacy that know how to compound this because it's literally a protein. And so trochees, we have to cook them per se to make the cake. So if you overdo it, if you're not doing it at the right temperature or proper procedure, you literally can cook the oxytocin like an egg, you know, and, and then it becomes ineffective. So sometimes, you know, delivery matters, but the best way that has been shown to deliver oxytocin, I honestly think nasal spray is much better because first of all, it's closer to the brain. It's kind of, you know, the mucosal surface of the nasal passages and it can really get it there. Trochees absolutely sublingual can be very helpful if they're done properly. Mm -hmm. And you always want to start low and go slow. I always teach, you can always go up in doses, but it's much harder if you start high and a problem happens to come down. Also, as you mentioned, you know, Anna, cortisol and oxytocin are kind of they have a, a teeter-totter effect, right? So that's why we always want to make sure what are people's cortisol levels? Because, you know, everybody's wired and tired because sometimes if we imbalance oxytocin and make it too high, if you will, because again, our hormones, it's about that perfect balance and that perfect balance is a bit different for each person. So you always want to make sure you're not overdoing the oxytocin and pushing the cortisol lower in people that it should not be pushed lower in. But obviously you can see how if somebody's really high in cortisol and they're, you know, stressed 24 seven, you can see how oxytocin can be beneficial actually to balance that seesaw and bring them more into just harmony and balance. The research that you're quoting that used 12 to 24 international units twice a day. So whether they did it sublingual or nasal, you were saying they were looking at the cognition and the cognitive effects or cognitive function on the brain? So actually, those were a variety of studies, not necessarily right. cognition specifically, but, you know, I just, there's multiple studies that have been done yes. now and really in a variety of disorders. And I just kind of gave the range yes. that has been looked at in a variety of disorders like the autism, migraine, you know, PTSD, schizophrenia, bonding syndromes, as I call it, or lack of bonding syndromes, which we're really seeing a lot in clinical practice, yeah. right? Loss of intimacy, you know, and it's not just like sexual intimacy, just the connection that we have, you know, for humanity, for each other, for, you know, ITs. It's like, I really think we need to put 
low dose naltrexone in the water because everybody's autoimmune ish now or immune imbalanced. <laughs> and we need to spray oxytocin in the air to really just bring harmony, peace in the world, you know, and just calm everybody down, you know, and just bring us back to bonding. You know, humans are meant to bond, right? You know, we're, we're just, that's, we're bonding creatures, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the ways, you know, it's first is always important to understand all the ways that we can get more oxytocin, how that affects us. And for my audience too, my oxytocin quiz, if you go to my website to the quizzes, or type in the search bar for oxytocin quiz, and we'll put the links here in the show notes, but definitely take the oxytocin quiz. And that's one way you can kind of assess am I high, low, where, you know, how's my, how's my rating? What's my rating on that? And also the way we would test and, and based off of Dr. Terry Hertog, who's endo, does a lot of endocrinology and hormonal therapy, and he's out of Belgium, but he has also written a oxytocin questionnaire. There's a couple ways. And so my oxytocin quiz is based off his questionnaire and look at, okay, well, where are you at just to get your baseline and then really focus on increasing your daily doses of oxytocin, what you can do through lifestyle, through the way you think your positive mindset, et cetera, that can improve your oxytocin. So we are microdosing some oxyplay throughout our day. That's what we want to do. And, you know, with that Sahar, so like the measuring and the other thing I would do clinically, I, you know, cause the blood test, like you mentioned, it's unreliable. There are some urinary tests. Meridian Valley has a urinary test as well. Yeah. But again, it just kind of gives you a ballpark between the questionnaire and whether or not we test you, the other thing I would do would be inject with lidocaine, like 10 IUs of Pitocin, intramuscular or sub-Q. And then you see the flushing effect and specifically significant in autistic kids. And so giving them that injection brings a smile, brings color to the face, eye contact immediately. And so that's all part of oxytocin function in the brain in our nervous system and in the blood vessels even. I mean, so oxytocin has so much power. And I want to talk more about, you know, if you have any insight into the function of improving oxytocin naturally, and if there's any downside to too much oxytocin. Yeah, you know, it, I mean, I, I think like with everything, the last part of your question, you know, can you do too much of anything? I think so, right? I mean, it's all about the balance. You know, we are balanced creatures. And whenever anything is tilted too much to the right or too much to the left, the body doesn't like it. We love to live in what we call homeostasis in the body, right? So I do think, you know, people will know, even with hormones, right? You know, we give them, let's say the estrogens, progesterone, testosterone, and, and really it's life-changing for a lot of women. But if we overdo it, they don't feel good. They're bloated, they're water retention, you know, they're not sleeping, they're, they have breast tenderness. So absolutely, I think oxytocin, it's a hormone. It's about that balance for that person. Now ways, you know, micro oxytocin play, I love that, you know, and what we can do, absolutely. Absolutely. Hugs, right? So the studies have shown that you got to hug somebody at least 20 seconds minimally to increase the release of oxytocin. So, you know, these quick hugs that we all do because everybody's so rushed, it doesn't release oxytocin. So make sure all of your hugs to your kids, spouses, friends, girlfriends, humanity, whatever, whoever needs a hug, it's 20 seconds or less. I mean, 20 seconds or more. French kissing, actually, believe it or not, they did a study on that, you know, again, that uh, you're French enjoying. Tea. The key is that you've got to be enjoying it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's the yeah, things well, that you're <laughs> enjoying. 
Yeah. So French kisses actually increases oxytocin more than just regular kisses. But again, it's going to be those lingering longer, you know, kisses. And, and absolutely. I mean, if you're kissing or hugging somebody you can't stand, that doesn't work. But honestly, you don't care on, the about, yeah. side, on the flip side, though, it could be the reason why they can't stand each other or the next person or humanity in general is because their oxytocin is low. It's kind of like the bullies when I'm teaching my kids. A lot of times those are the people that need the biggest and longest hugs, right? Because, you know, I always say hurt people, hurt people. Right. And so sometimes maybe those are the people that we really need to hug tighter than we would even your normal people. So anything that increases bond, connection, anything that gets your juices flowing, that creative space, you know, a good girlfriend, lunch or dinner, hugs with your, you know, intimacy, you know, sexual or non-sexual intimacy with your partners, you know, hugging, you know, humanity, all those, anything that gives you that fuzzy feeling inside. I always tell people just do a lot more of because that's what oxytocin is. It's that, oh, it's bliss. It's joy. It's happiness. So whatever that is for you, just do a lot of it every day. You know, and amazing, the studies, like it's amazing. You know, we're beginning to learn, you know, we have these autistic kids, as you mentioned, you know, so we're changing neurobiology. We're changing, you know, the physiology so tremendously where these kids start to make an eye contact. They look at you, schizophrenic, you know, pain patients, fibro patients, migraine patients. You know, I mean, this is an extremely important hormone that really we have ignored for a very long time, even in our functional circles, let's call it, right? Now, the other thing is, you know, so cortisol and oxytocin, like I said, kind of work hand in hand. So we really want to make sure people's adrenals and their stress response are as healthy as possible. So again, how do you get that stress response to be healthy? Yeah, exactly. Well, do the things you love again, because that lowers it. Sleep well, eat well, bond well. But sometimes we do have to give you more help, like adaptogenic herbs, like the Mighty Maca. I love that, right? A lot of great trials on Maca and Mighty Maca that you have. I start the morning with that too, because it's an adaptogenic herb, right? So if your cortisol is too high, it's going to lower it and bring it in balance. If it's too low, it's going to raise it up and bring it in balance. So just the inherent part of balancing your cortisol as much as possible is going to help you release oxytocin and kind of make you feel a little bit more balanced and not stressed and frazzled, you know, all day long. So definitely healthy eating, healthy protein shakes, you know, a lot of like, I see these healthy people, you know, they start the morning with a smoothie and things like that. And then I look at these powders, they're full of arsenic, they're full of toxins, you know, they're full of So make sure, again, your smoothie, like, you know, your recipes, I love those, you know, eat as organic, as clean as possible. Use your clean proteins, the Mighty Maca in it. You know, look at all these sources, you know, EMF and stress reduction, all these external stressors are going to throw off your HPA axis, your cortisol, your stress response. And also now more importantly, honestly, your oxytocin levels. So incorporate any of all of this goodness into your daily routines as much as possible. Because I always say it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And anything daily that you can add to your life is going to be really helpful. You know, progesterone is also an immune modulator 
And I always tease and say, well, I can guarantee you, you're not Prozac deficient, you're progesterone deficient, probably in some women. So again, progesterone, you know, really helps offset because most women tend to be a little bit too high on estrogen from all these, what we call fake estrogens in the environment or xenoestrogens. So using, you know, some of the items that you have to really kind of just bring, again, harmony and balance into these hormones for everybody. Because it's all that circle of life, I call it the HPA axis or these feedback loops and things like that can really help you know, keep everything in balance. And when you have oxytocin and cortisol in balance, it's really going to keep that loop system talking and it's going to help harmonize your hormones to the best of its ability. Yeah, no, and it is the most important hormone in our body. So getting that harmony is key. And I think it's so much and everything else. And what about the hormone pregnenolone? You know, it's in my balance cream. I put progesterone and pregnenolone because I love the neuroprotective effects and no one talks about that either. Well, don't say no one, because I've been teaching about pregnenolone IV that they do in Europe for the past 20 years. So in Europe, when somebody has stroke or motor vehicle accidents, like traumatic brain injuries, they actually give IV pregnenolone and progesterone in the ER because of the neuroprotective effects. And honestly, I've been teaching that for about 20, probably 20 years now. And it's interesting. Finally, I'm like, oh my God, finally, it made it to our world where there was a study looking at the role of pregnenolone in neuroprotection and post-stroke, post, you know, TBIs and things like that. But absolutely, I always say this is another one that's kind of the forgotten hormones, if you will. Now, a lot of in our functional medicine circles, thank God, because we taught them the right way, they check pregnenolone level. We teach them how to optimize it, how to, you know, supplement it, but absolutely. And also pregnenolone, not only is it the master hormone kind of under oxytocin, because your body, when you start becoming deficient in your sex hormones, your body kind of takes pregnenolone that you make from cholesterol, and it kind of fills in the holes initially. Now, as you kind of progress into menopause uh, for women and andropause for men, they go through menopause too, but we just call it andropause. Um, as you progress through that, you know, pregnenolone kind of fills in the hole, but then sometimes we really need to go to the very specific hormones too, like the balance cream, you know, like estrogen, you know, topical. Remember, estrogen is always topical, never oral. Okay, wait, now let's talk about that. There's so many people using oral estradiol, oral estrogen. And so I want you to elaborate on why it's, you know, what are the, what are the negative side effects of oral versus the benefits? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me finish the pregnenolone, but absolutely. Okay. That's a great point. So pregnenolone, it's your hormone of memory. Yes. So again, we have like a tsunami of dementias, but nobody checks that hormone, which has been really, again, I always say just as important as estrogen. You know, I know when women's estrogen drops because usually the brain and the tongue are not no longer connected, right? You know, they're not really, you know, world finding difficulty, kind of making those connections faster in the synaptic connection. So I love pregnenolone, you know, measure it. Uh, again, sometimes with memory cognitive issues, we know it's low in people and replacement has been really helpful. And definitely the more you optimize all of your hormones, including oxytocin, and pregnenolone, the estrogens and progesterone, the better you're going to be in neuroprotection, what we call brain optimization and cognition. You're going to be most protected for bone health so you don't get fractures. 
you know, a lot of times heart protection. The number one killer of women, it's heart disease, heart disease. it's not breast yeah. cancer. And it's really sad because we're always so worried about getting breast cancer or, oh my God, I'm going to get breast cancer if I take hormones and things. We forget that the number one killer of women, it's heart disease. It's not breast yeah. cancer. And actually, sadly enough, in the cancers now, actually lung cancer is killing more women than breast cancer. Then that's becoming the number one. And, you know, we probably environmental exposure for all of us. We're all swimming and bathtubs of toxins every day, unfortunately, whether we're breathing it in, touching it, eating it, you know, EMF, all the stuff that's really hitting our body. So it's so important to do almost like a daily detox ritual. Yeah. Now kind of moving on to um, oral estrogen. And that's another, yeah, yeah. You know, that's another awesome podcast, how to detox and clean your body every day, right? You know, definitely uh, eating clean, you know, Make sure, you know, even the health nuts out there that I call, you know, you'll see they're just loading their bodies with toxins, you know, modulate your cortisol, start with clean protein, like all the recipes you put are amazing, sticking the mighty maca in it and all that good stuff. Now, as far as oral estrogens, yeah, I always teach if you learn nothing from the three day or five day symposia we put together for hormone replacement therapy. I'm like, just learn one thing. Please never, ever give women oral estrogen. You know, we know that they and can increase the time. risk. Because this is a really important issue because like early oral estrogen replacement can help with microvasculature, but you know, after 50, definitely after 55, it can worsen microvasculature. So like there's this, like when there was that, we were taught definitely like no oral after if there's any risk of heart disease or whatever, although people are on tons of oral with birth control pills, you know, but this oral estrogen for hormone replacement, it's a smaller amount, but still you know, creates, I want you to talk about creating inflammation and increasing stroke risk. So yeah. also, you know, but why are you saying never oral estrogen? Well, you know, because for, so we know, I mean, historically, and this was really, this is also, you know, absolute disclosure that every healthcare provider should be discussing with their patients when they give oral estrogens. We know that the risk of clotting disorders or clotting issues can be increased by oral estrogens. When people are actually bleeding out, do you guys know what we give in hospital? We Progesterone. give IV Premarin, you know, well, we give, you know, right? Premarin, because it clots them. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, progesterone, progesterone. is another one, but, you know, but we give IV, you know, horsey estrogen, as I call it, because it's, it clots. I'm right, it clots. Right. So we know orally, oral estrogens can increase the risk of clots, you know, DVT, strokes, heart attack, whatever. Now, we also know as you age, the risk of heart disease increases, right? So our vessels are not as pliable, are not as clean, are not as non-porous and all that good stuff when we were 20 versus now when we start maybe 50, 60, and 70. So we know oral estrogens can increase the risk of clots. Every birth control pill should come with that disclosure for that female to make sure. I personally feel we should not be giving women any birth control pills unless they've had at least a factor five Leiden checked 
or a clotting workup. My friend's child of 21 years old had a stroke on birth control pills. Now it's absolutely rare. We don't want to scare women like, because unfortunately we don't have good methods for birth control yet. Right. I am a big fan of the Paragard IUD. So that's what I absolutely. So that's exactly what I was going to say. I usually recommend the copper IUD or, you know, versus mm-hmm. the non-hormone, obviously the Marina, which we can discuss it at another time, but you really want the non-hormonal IUDs inserted. It's it's a much better method. It's safer, I think, in the long term. You know, the studies have shown estrogen and progestins, which is not progesterone. That's another mixture that we always mix even in the medical literature, you know, which kind of progesterone, because they're very different physiologically and how they work in the body. Yeah, pharmaceutically, completely different. Absolutely different. So, so very important that when we're replacing hormones, you, you use bioidentical hormones. And and definitely, there's tons of bioidentical hormones that are commercially available. So, you know, the patches, you know, the estradiol creams, prometrium or progesterone micronized is commercially. So it does not have to be always compounded because that's a big, you know, misconception out there. Also, we have tons of bioidentical stuff commercially and also the amazing compounders all over the country can do for you. But oral estrogens have been shown to increase the risk of blood clots. It increases the risk of gallbladder disease in gallstones. It increases inflammation. It has a negative profile on some of your lipids. Some could be slightly improved with the oral, but most of them really has a negative profile on it. Now we have, I don't know, probably eight studies now or more since I last checked where transdermal topical estrogens have not been shown to increase the risk of clots. And that's why we always recommend estrogen orally because it's yeah, transdermally, transdermally. Yeah, with the estrogen say, transdermally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, estrogen transdermally has been not has uh, been shown not to increase the risk of clots. It does not increase the risk of gallbladder disease. It's more immunomodulatory, not inflammatory. And remember, this is why the risk of autoimmune illness skyrockets in perimenopause and menopause in women. You know, we see three times the rate of autoimmune disease in women in the perimenopause to menopausal years. And it really has to do with hormone dysregulation because hormones are kind of the gas and brakes on your immune system also. And sometimes we tilt it the other way because of lack of hormones. And and we kind of cause the body to freak out in some way and start attacking itself. And that's what autoimmune illnesses are, you know, in addition to gut issues and dysbiosis. So again, if you never learn anything from me, I always say, just never use estrogens orally. And let's talk about some of like, you know, the prescription estrogen vaginal creams or gels initially. And I like that they have a bioidentical estrogen, right? Pretty much like the, except for the primer and vaginal cream. There's so many over 30 different kinds of estrogen in that. I mean, the, the ingredients that are combined with those, so estrogel, I like that it's faster absorbing than the cream, but you've got all these chemicals in with it. So I wonder if you could talk about that. And, you know, of course I have Jolva, which is better in my opinion than estrogen vaginally or otherwise, you know, DHEA for the vaginal and vulvar tissue, clitoris to anus, the most important real estate of our body. We've got to make sure we're taking care of it, but that really just works so much better. And it's clean ingredients with no chemicals or hormone disruptors. 
And as a pharmacist, you know, like there are all kinds of ingredients. And then when we do combine vaginal compounded suppositories or creams or whatever, you know, is there a better milieu we can put that in? So thousand percent. Yeah. You know, I'm a big proponent. This is where like my next book is actually I'm working on is detoxing your home room by room because, you know, there's so much toxic ingredients that we have. So the average female slaps 124 chemicals on her body per day. And men are not far behind. And that's really from, you know, household cleaners to, you know, dish soap and some of that stuff to our makeup, to health and beauty aids, to the shampoo, conditioner, and to, you know, lip glosses and and a bunch of emollients and lotions and you name it, right? So I always teach every person when I'm teaching either on massive stages or one-on-one. So always check there's the EWG, Environmental Work Group. So EWG.org, they have an app you can download. You can literally scan all the stuff that you're buying. So go to your bathroom and scan all that stuff and see what score you have. You really always want just the EWG score of zero to two. You know, that's the cleanest stuff. Sometimes if you can't find anything cleaner, I could live with a three, but I really like women. Well, everybody just to stay zero to two. There's also an app called Yuka, Y-U-K-A. I love that app. So this is another great one. When you're shopping, you can just scan all this stuff and it'll give you a score. You want it closer to a hundred as possible because that means it's cleaner ingredient. It's non-toxic. So these are basic things that you can learn and do on your own to help better protect you. Now in pharmaceutical, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, when we make stuff, and, and honestly, our industry in pharmacy, we have not learned yet how to use cleaner things, you know, to make stuff, whether it's cream, emollients, lotions. You know, I had my compounding pharmacy, and I always, because I've been a toxin nut job all my life, you know, we always tried to make everything as clean as possible. But absolutely, everybody in medicine, in, you know, and in pharmacy, we always just look at the active ingredients. But we don't look at the inactive ingredients that are used to make that cream and the gel and the lotion and the tablet binders and things like that. And sometimes, you know, they're not clean, right? They're not the cleanest. There are some toxins in them. This is why you see some of these drug recalls that we've had more recently. Yeah, right. Some of them were even carcinogenic. So again, wait, which drugs were recalled for carcinogenics? (laughs) Oh, my God. Tons of them lately. I mean, metformin was for a while. Blood pressure, I think it was. Don't quote me, but one of the blood pressure, the ARBs, you know, a couple blood pressure ones. There's always, you know, these recalls. But my point is, ask your pharmacies for the package insert or ask them to give you a list of the inactive ingredients of what they're dispensing for you. And again, you can just go on the EWG website, stick in these big fat chemical names, and it'll tell you again, you know, a zero to 10 score. So you can see and then work with your pharmacist. That's what they're trained for. Is there something cleaner? I need this medicine. Medicines are life-saving. Sometimes we need them. I tease. I always like to use lifestyle and fix it with supplements and vitamins. But sometimes we do have to go nuclear as I tease. We need medications. They're life-saving, right? But see if there's better versions, cleaner versions that you can do. Now, the estrogens that are commercially available, absolutely. I mean, if the doctors want to use an estrogen cream, I absolutely highly 
more to use the estradiol cream versus the Premarin or the horsey estrogen, the equine conjugated estrogen, because it's bioidentical. Your body knows what to do with it, right? But, you know, to your point, we also compound estriol, which is a much weaker estrogen. It's kind of like the good estrogen that we teach. It's the protective estrogen. And it's really nice for kind of rejuvenating the vaginal vault in area. But to your point, DHEA, which again, honestly, I've been teaching vaginally about that for 20 years, you know, DHEA, which is kind of, it's a mix, it's, so it's an androgen, so it's more in the testosterone family, but your body can use it, again, as it needs it, to estrogen. So the body's really smart. If we just give it the ingredients to make the cake, the body's much smarter than all of us, you know, put together, right? But DHEA intravaginally, you know, and like you said, you know, clitoris to anus, absolutely, in the studies, it has been shown to be really probably even better than the estrogens in that area because it really heals it. But to your point, you know, the Jolva cream, which is DHEA, which is kind of this, let's call it pre-testosterone or more on the testosterone family, not to get too technical on you, many studies have shown amazing benefit in the vaginal vault, the vaginal area. And what I love about the Jolva that it's clean, because again, you know, myself and Anna, we've been in this clean world trying to live more clean forever. So whatever we develop, like I have my skincare line and, and honestly, I did it from a passion of that same thing. I was looking at all these ingredients, even the organic stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, that is not clean. So we developed skincare line, you know, same with her. I want to just do a shout out for your skincare line. Cause I yeah. love it, especially the toner. Yeah. It is my favorite. And then your eye cream. I love it. So Sahar Sweden, quickly tell our, we'll put links below too, but where do they get your skincare? Yeah, saharskincare.com, or you can just go to sahar.world, much easier, and everything is under my world, under one. Sahar.world, S-A-H-A-R.world, y'all. So check out her skincare. Yeah, so easy. So that's what I mean. You know, honestly, we develop these products just because we know that space when you look at ingredients, but it's absolutely, if you're going towards health and wellness and increasing your health span, None of us can continue to pump so much chemicals and toxins into our body, whether it's from food, environment, cleaning supplies, you know, medications we're taking, you know, supplements, vaginal creams, whatever it may be. We really all need to kind of level up and really continue to look for better products, cleaner products. You know, I love your Jova. You know, I tease. Oh, she made it upper again, Sahar. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. I love it. I mean, I always recommend it to patients because, you know, it's great. And even before we had DHEA as a product commercially, as you know, because I've been teaching, honestly, intravaginal DHEA for years. And the studies have shown anywhere, you know, as little as three milligrams has been shown to be, you know, very well, good and beneficial and, you know, up to 13 milligrams in, in studies. But I always tease, you know, she made good creams for your upper and lower lips as I there tease, you, go. you know, it's got Above an upper lip gloss and a lower lip. And so I want to talk about, be... what did you say? We can all have plump lips? So they can all be plump and healthy upper and lower. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I love that. Thank you. And the big thing too, with estrogen to mention is that when we use estrogen vaginally, if we have a male partner and are sexually active, they're going to, you know, we have to really time it like opposite times of the day 
for sex. Otherwise, he's absorbing the estrogen. And we don't want our guys to get any more estrogen than they already make on their own. But I definitely, so the using vaginal estrogen, you know, you have that risk. Now, DHEA, whether you're using the prescription prasterone or my Jolva cream, and don't, I always say topical because you don't want to forget the most important real estate of our body, clitoris to anus. You got to keep that area. Vaginal hormones do not help the clitoris or the surrounding anal tissue. So you've got to apply, you know, apply DHEA, use it as a preventative, use it regularly. But the nice thing is whether it's DHEA vaginal or prescribed prasterone or other compound that men usually tolerate 10 times the amount of DHEA that a woman needs. And so it's much safer for a sexual partner and you're not so worried about transmitting it. But however, you know, again, the nice thing and why I created Jolva to absorb into the skin completely really well within 20 minutes and topical versus sitting into in your vagina as a suppository type or in, intravaginally as cream because, you know, it leaks out, can cause more of a discharge and, and those factors, but also your partner will absorb it. Again, okay with DHEA, not okay with estrogen. Absolutely. And, That's a great point because, you know, we always honestly, when we you know, supplement, you know, estrogen with women, we always have to teach both partners about the transmission risk, obviously, and that they can get the estrogen. And same goes for women when we're using topical testosterone in men, you know, we have to make sure that they apply it, stay away from each other for 12 hours. So they don't get the huge testosterone dose. Because again, women use micrograms of testosterone versus men use milligram. And same for DHEA. The nice thing when you use it vaginally, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to kind of time the sexual encounter, which takes the fun out of it maybe sometimes too. But, you know, men usually the average female needs about, you know, two and a half to five milligrams of DHEA. And then we measure or, you know, increase, but men, you know, a lot of times we start them at 25 to 50 milligrams. So right, they, exactly. they need much higher doses. And you know, I had another thought as far as, you know, the clitoris to the anus type stuff. Remember like urinary incontinence, which is a huge problem in women yes. in perimenopause and menopause. We kind of honestly never talk about that too. You know, and we do like sling procedures and this and that, and just sling it. But a lot of times, you know, hormonal replacement like the Jolva or DHEA intravaginally, we find it clinically to be much more helpful to help the urinary incontinence, you know, as compared to estrogens. But definitely, I mean, they both help, but we definitely, I think DHEA has an edge above for urinary incontinence, Absolutely. which is a huge problem. You know, it's embarrassing. It's a pain in the butt. You know, people are, you know, women are rushing to the bathroom and all that stuff. So they can be really helpful if you're an appropriate candidate, you know, that might be really helpful if you're having urinary incontinence issues. Well, one of the ways I got so good at prescribing vulvar and vaginal creams was because I was doing those sling procedures for urinary incontinence. I mean, I would do, you know, I I did many of them. So I remember one day I had six sling procedures. I mean, because that was my like answer, right? One of the things that I learned is that pre-op prepare, you know, preparing the skin of the vulva and vaginal periurethral area around the bladder 
area with hormones, especially testosterone and DHEA, I had better tissue to operate on, which is important. You don't want any mesh erosions or anything like that. But as I started using it uh, longer and longer preoperatively, even just one month and two months before surgery, Patients would come in and say, Dr. Ann, I'm no longer leaking. I don't have, you know, I don't have the bladder problems I did. I remember one patient came in and said, I, you know, I ran five miles today and I didn't even need a pad and that she'd been struggling with that for so long that limited her, you know, ability to physically exercise. And we don't realize how something like incontinence can can affect us in addressing that vulvar vaginal tissue. You guys know that I could talk with Sahar, Sweet Anne, for a long time. We're like cousins. She's the <laughs> Jordanian Sweet Anne family. I'm the Palestinian Sweet Anne family. <laughs> so we, we've got that ability to just definitely continue talking about all these subjects. And like-minded philosophy. I've learned so much from her and I wanted to bring her to all of you back again and definitely check out uh, sahar.world to check out her skincare and and look at that. I mean, it is beautiful, amazing, clean and pharmaceutical grade products. So they work in other words. And so you feel good about it. And you guys, please share this episode. We don't talk about oxytocin enough. We just think we're broken or something's wrong with us. And addressing the importance of oxytocin in your life is critically powerful. So microdose oxytocin, microdose oxyplay all throughout the day. Do not forget. And again, I thank y'all for being here. Please rate this show, share this show. And that means so much to us to keep boosting us in the rankings, top 20 health and wellness podcast. We're getting there. So uh, take care, everyone. God bless you. Till next time, this is Dr. Anna Kabeca.